Uh, I want to do a, I think it's going to be a one night message. In two weeks, Allie and Michelle are going to have the service. And so that's going to be good, but called Not Ashamed. And from a familiar uh, scripture that says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Christ, for it is God's power working unto salvation for deliverance from eternal death. This is just good to everyone who believes. Who is this for? Everyone who what? Everybody who believes with a personal trust and a confident surrender and a firm reliance to the Jew first and then also to the Greek. And of course, you know, I can't bypass the passion. I refuse to be ashamed of sharing the wonderful message of God's liberating power unleashed in us through Christ Jesus. For I am thrilled to preach that everyone who believes is saved, the Jew first and then people everywhere. And I found out we've, or kind of realized that people have gotten to a place where they really are not unashamed. They're ashamed sometimes of the gospel. If you need a fill in, raise your hand and we'll get a piece of paper and a pen to you real quick. Do we have somebody that can run sheets out real quick? Does anybody need a fill in or pen? Okay. So your first feeling is this, is that don't let an unbeliever intimidate you. It kind of has become a culture of that anything that's biblical, anything that follows principles of the Bible is out of date and old fashioned. And that's not the Bible I believe in. And I don't think it's the Bible you believe in either because Romans says, I am not ashamed of this gospel and I won't be intimidated by the unbeliever. When you decide to live in truth, not everyone will like it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I, I, I had one time somebody was on the phone, they were in a different state and they, and they just read me the riot act on how my views and how my believing the Bible was out of date. And you know, in the end of it all, I'm jumping ahead, but at the end of it all, I just kind of said, you know what, it's working for me and I'm not turning back from it. But truth, listen to this, but truth still sets people's free. Does anybody need a clipboard? We've got clipboards back there. Somebody grab some clipboards and see if anybody needs one. <laughs> Jonathan, why don't you do it? Oh, I'm a little busy at the moment. Anybody need a clipboard? Clipboard, yes. The truth, the truth of God's word still sets free. And let me, let me, let me say it this way, is that the truth of the word of God is what sets people free, not a watered-down version of it. Not a, 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 a societal-tailored version of the truth of God's Word sets people free. The, the truth of God's... And I don't think we do anybody a favor by watering it down and excusing it and saying, well, you know, it's old-fashioned, it's a new day. That doesn't set people free. And let me take a step further, that, that when we water down the gospel, when we make it palatable to whatever the common, uh, common uh, feeling of the day is, it doesn't do the power it's sent to do. That people that live in deception are envious of those who live in freedom. That's why they want you to water it down because they're envious that you are freed by the gospel. I'm jumping ahead of myself, but people want an excuse to have their beliefs fit the Bible instead of the, the other way around, that the Bible is molding and fitting their beliefs. 
Jonathan White, you sound like uh, those preachers on TV. <laughs> but there's, there's got to be a standard where we understand that the, that the full-on gospel of Jesus, not changed, not filtered, not made palatable, is what frees people. That we use our freedom to be a blessing and not act like we're better than. That's kind of become the trend too. Is that we, people like to get up and on street corners or on their television show and, and, and tell people how wrong they are and how right they are. And, and that's just not, that's not how it works. I had a youth pastor one time that he had a little boy and uh, the little boy, one of his, his first words, he'd, he'd be, you know, be held by this youth pastor we had. And this first word, he'd look at people and go, he'd say, repent. He didn't know what that meant. That was, was like one of his first, repent. And that youth pastor, he thought that was the funniest, greatest thing when that little boy would go around, tell people, repent. <laughs> Most people said, put that little boy down so I can slap you. <laughs> That's not how you win people. That's not how you represent God. That, that when we uh, are a blessing to people, that's what shows the grace of the gospel. That's what shows that we're not ashamed of the power that is working in this gospel. That Jesus walked in total confidence and demonstrated complete truth. Lots of people try to psychoanalyze Jesus. You all know Jesus, he was like this toward these kind of people and he was like this. He was the same to everybody, darling. He walked in complete truth of his father. And he had, but he had a confidence in it. And what did that confidence do? It was driven by love and it freed people. It set them free. It moved in their hearts. When he wasn't ashamed of what his father sent him to do, that atmosphere reached into the heart of humanity and didn't give, uh, didn't give explanations or excuses for what truth was, but it went in and freed them. That Jesus is the perfect example of how to live in truth and freedom. It, it tends to be right now, and if you, <laughs> I'm going to get myself in trouble, but if you kind of see what some preachers in today do, it's more about them really than it is about the gospel. And what ends up happening is that we get a form of the Bible that fits into the flashiness of what we call church. And I'm not against that. We've got lights here and everything in this place. But when that becomes the focus and how the pastor dresses and what the atmosphere is like and how good the coffee is, instead of the power of the gospel, it gets, it gets uh, waned out. Jesus is the perfect example of the gospel. He's the perfect example of how to live in truth. And he always brings freedom. That if you have the truth, then you're walking in light. Do you see why the enemy fights the truth of the gospel? He fights the truth of the word of God. He fights the truth of biblical doctrine, sound doctrine. He fights it because the, the, that doctrine of truth, that doctrine of the gospel, that doctrine of love frees people. One of the things that we face in my circle of people is that more and more pastors 
whether they're youth pastors or, or senior pastors or lead pastors or whatever it is, more and more of them are falling into depression and falling into uh, anxiety. And, fall, and I feel for them, but they're falling because they're trying to maintain a ministry based on them. Trying to maintain a, a, a way of doing church that that's, is surrounded by them. And we're all guilty of that. We all have a, have a tendency to do that in one way or another. But when we get to the place where we tell people that Jesus is the center of the gospel of truth in every part of your life, and he is the one. And it's easy, it's easy to do. The, I teach at a high school and this, you know, I stand in the hallway during passing periods and this kid passed me, you know, they'll say, hi, Mr. Moore. And don't y'all call me Mr. Moore here, by the way. <laughs> don't call me Pastor Moore either. Just Jonathan here. So he passed me, he said, hey, Mr. Moore. I said, hey, whatever. And then he walked by and then um, he was passing another teacher when, um, when he passed on by me. And that teacher said, you know what he said about you? I said, what? He said, he said, you're the best math teacher ever. I was like, heck Yeah. <laughs> Amen, brother. I like that kid a little bit more than I did, and I didn't like him very much. No, I'm kidding. I, because it feeds our ego. And you can really easily, in, in my line of work, that you really easily can get to a place where ministry becomes about feeding a man or a woman's ego instead of the, the gospel setting people free. I'll let you, this isn't in my notes, but I'll just let you in on a secret of mine. I hate green rooms in church. Here's, here's what a green room is. Green room, just like a, like a concert venue, it's where the, they hold up until the service. And so they hold up in a side room that has all kinds of you know, uh, food and refreshments in there. And then when the music starts playing about halfway through the worship, they come out of a side door and everybody that has their hands up, they put their hands down so they can watch the minister go to his or her seat. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. And then, and then, you know, see what they, and then they come in halfway through and they shake everybody's hand and they hug everybody and they come on in and then, then, then they lift their hands too and everybody's watching the preacher. Instead of focusing our eyes on Jesus. I like this guy named, his name is Chris Hodges. He has this, he, he has, uh, how many campuses does he have? Taylor, about 11 campuses in, in, uh, in Alabama. And we went to a conference one time. I had Allie with me and Ben was with me. We went to a conference one time and it's all ministers. And so this is like, like, this is the prime way that you come out of the green room and you look important halfway through the worship. How many? 23. One of the cool things about him is that they're in every single uh, prison in Alabama. And not just like they pump their sermons in there, they like have people going into the correctional facilities in Alabama and they run the services in the, in the prisons. Just like they would like at a uh, high school auditorium or something like that. They go in they, and, they, and then they call them church family and stuff like that. He'll get up and say, welcome and he welcome to the campuses and all of our correctional facilities. Anyway, all that to say, this crazy guy who has thousands of preachers there and there I am with Allie and Ben, we're sitting there he comes out 15 minutes before the, the service starts, 20 minutes, something like that, and he just starts working the crowd. It was awesome. I got my picture with him. 
I looked it up the other day. I was like, that was 20 pounds lighter back then. <laughs> and he like, why? it was funny because we were sitting there, Ben's with me, Allie's with me, and he kind of walked up to one of the sections where he, we were in 20 minutes before, and he just said, how's everybody doing? You know what I did? Allie, come get me a picture with this man. <laughs> Didn't hold up in some green room. I think that's how Jesus was. I think he did, whoever it was, and this, is, this is a cool thought, that whoever he was with, they had his full attention. That's the power of the gospel. Let's keep going. Pride, this is an illustration right here. Pride will have you trying to prove yourself to everybody. Have you ever had that? You're at the lunchroom table or you're at the break room at work and people are talking about politics or religion or whatever and then you're trying to defend your faith. You don't need to defend your faith. Pride will make you try to defend your faith. Here's one thing about people that are challenging your faith. They're not interested in what you're saying. They're waiting for their next way to rebut you. <laughs> And here we are getting hot and bothered and they're talking about, these kids at school the other day were saying, did, no, no, I was, at, uh, I was at Walmart. Yeah, they were talking church at Walmart. And they were, uh, and they were uh, people, at, these two girls were at the end and, and they said, they believe that God is three beings. Oh, he ain't no three beings. I mean, it was just funny that they're, I was like, what are y'all talking about? Somebody bagged the groceries around here. <laughs> Don't get into arguments with people. They're not, they're, they're thinking, like I said, they're thinking of what they're going to say to you. Watch this in Romans, that the, that the gospel unveils out of the passion, the gospel unveils a continual revelation of God's righteousness, a perfect righteous, righteousness given to us when we believe, and it moves us from receiving life through faith to living a power by faith. Watch this next one. This is what the scripture means when it says that the right with God, live life-giving faith. If you remember um, a phrase, it's called the just shall live by faith. That's the passion that the just shall live by faith. That I don't have to explain truth that sits well in my spirit. Have you ever had that? That I, I had that a lot with... Um, commentators that I'll listen to when they're talking politics or economics or something like that, and they'll say something, I'm like, that sounds right. Nobody else is saying it, but that sounds right. Milton Freeman, he's another one that he would say stuff, and you're like, mm, that makes sense. Because <laughs> there's a lot of stuff out there that people are crazy. I'll tell you that inflation is... <laughs> it's just leveling the economy. Yeah, that's right. It's leveling the economy. <laughs> okay, I'm off of politics. But if something, if, if a truth sets well in your heart, don't you let somebody talk you out of it. Because here's what happens is that the spirit of God on the inside of us will bear witness with the word of God and the truth of God and something on the inside, no matter what other people say, something will spark on the inside of us and say, that sounds right. Those with no faith won't have, from this in, Rebel, in Romans, those with no faith will have no revelation of God's goodness. That's what it just said there in Romans. Does anybody like um, cookies and cream, ice cream? Does anybody like it? Okay, I need somebody's help. So Kaylee, come on up here. Uh, and then I need somebody to get me my cookies and cream. So some, somebody run to the freezer real quick. Biscuit, would you get that for me? Can you stand there while I preach a little bit more? Yes. Don't go anywhere.
the more I trust God's heart, the more I'll have a revelation of his goodness in my life. That's what it says in Romans. The just shall live by faith. That that faith developed in my heart will lead me to his goodness. Now, here's the thing about people that are unbelievers. If, they're, if, they're, if they don't have a heart to believe, thank you so much. If they don't have a heart to believe, they're not going to live by that faith and they won't have a revelation of God's goodness. You say, Jonathan, that's not fair. It's absolutely fair. If I'm gonna take the time to understand the principles and the precepts of God's kingdom, then I'm gonna get the benefit that comes from seeking those out. I like uh, Ryan and I go, uh, and we drag Mason and Taylor with us, but we go to Westside Cafe all the time. Now, let me tell you what, the breakfast at Westside Cafe is good, but I don't go for the breakfast at Westside Cafe. I go because Ryan's there. And then Monday, Taylor and I, we like torchies. Anybody else like torchies in this place? We like torchies. And I go, I, let me tell you what, that queso will make you want to slap somebody. It's so good. But I don't go to torchies just for the queso. I go to the torchies because Taylor's there. So it is with the things of God. That when you seek him out, when you make that stance that says that I'm not ashamed of this gospel, it has power. Then he reveals his goodness to you. Do you like cookies and cream, by the way? Oh, this is good because it's, um, it's not, I was afraid it would be too, too stiff and I'd be like, <laughs> but it's serving up pretty good. Are you sure you like cookies and cream? Well, you're, you're not going to like this one. No, you won't like this one. This is Bluebell. It, it's no good. Bluebell's the best. Are you listening to me? <laughs> You're not going to like this Bluebell one because it's, it's no good. Don't eat it just yet. But let me, just, let me tell you about this real quick. It's Bluebell. It's made in Branham by these cows over there. And they put cookies in it and cream. And it's just horrible. Does anybody else like cookies and cream ice cream? You do? Okay, Sorry. So it's, it's, it's horrible. And then Bluebell's the worst. Yeah. What you need to do is you go get, you go get the store brand. That's a little bit better. <laughs> it's easier on your pocketbook. What's going on with Bluebell? Seven, $7.11, like, I'll take three. <laughs> no, it's no good. You want to try it? Let me know how bad it is. Oh, it's horrible, isn't it? It's really good. No, no, sister. I see you squinting over there. It's like, ugh. It's really good. It's delicious. <laughs> now, what, what does Kaylee have that refutes what I'm saying? Experience. And she has present experience, but she also has what? Past experience. And do you see how ridiculous, and if I continued on with this, telling her how bad this bluebell was, am I wasting my time? Yes, because I'm up against an experience. Do you know how many Christians discount the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it just is not popular in the world? Instead of saying, I've had bluebell. I've, I could, let me just tell you, right, and th y'all give it up for Kaylee. Can, do you mind putting this back for me? Because 
It'll be a puddle by the time I'm done. <laughs> now, here, here's the deal. The people that sit around and say, mm, your, your, your religion is, your, they'll call it religion. Your religion, you being religious, it's too narrow-minded. It's not woke. <laughs> yeah, these people that claim to be woke scare me to, all right. <laughs> and, and believers will believe that and say, oh, you, maybe, maybe it is outdated. Maybe it is not with the times. Instead of saying, are you kidding me? I've tasted it. I enjoy, it changed my life. The power of the gospel, I'm not ashamed of the power of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Did you hear that? This gospel is gonna get us out of here the right way. <laughs> unless you wanna to just tour hell and just see what's going on down there. <laughs> no, this, this gospel is the power of God that saved me to a place that calls me his own and we have believers taking things out of their Bible because it doesn't fit current culture. And it's like me telling Kaylee, it's just not that good bad. Instead of saying, I'm not ashamed of it. Look at this in Timothy. Paul's writing to a, a young uh, protege in his life called Timothy. Proclaim the word of God. Stand upon it no matter what. I like this out of the, the Amplified. This is cool right here. It says, rise to the occasion and preach when it's convenient and preach it and, and when it is not. <laughs> So it's like, just preach it. Is it convenient? Yeah, preach it. Is it not convenient? Yeah, preach it. <laughs> preach in the full expression of the Holy Spirit with wisdom and patience as you instruct and teach people. Watch this. For the time is coming when they will no longer listen and respond to healing words of truth because they will become selfish and proud. This was written almost 2,000 years ago. And they will seek out teachers with soothing words. The, another word says itching ears that line up with their desires saying just what they want to hear. Is this not speak to today? That there are some churches that are not far from this church that proudly stand up for stuff that is against the word of God. And I feel for them, I hope they come to the truth of it, but this is why. In 2 Timothy, this is why, because they've heaped to themselves their own desires. And they pulled those desires close and said, this is the gospel. And let me just make it plain to you, I'm not interested in any gospel that Jonathan can create. I am quickly unimpressed with that. But the gospel of this kingdom, watch this, they will close their ears to the truth and believe nothing but fables and myths. Paul's not talking about people that don't know God. He's talking to people that do or claim to, and that how they have changed 
the gospel to fit themselves. Your next fill in. When you decide to live in the truth of God's word, it's a lifestyle, not an experiment. And there's freedom to that. There's liberty when, when you say, I'm not ashamed that I'm going to live this gospel to the fruit, how fullest, no matter how unpopular it might be, no matter who might think ill of me, that this gospel produces salvation and it's produced it in my life. That too many don't want truth. If you follow any of the people, Turning Point USA, uh, Campus Reform, their words on the streets will scare you spitless. Dumb. College-educated young people, dumbs. A stupid on steroids. They'll go and they'll ask him. They'll, they'll ask him things like, who's the vice president of the United States? And they'll say, I don't know, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I mean, they're that dumb. And those are the people that are trying to influence your, your culture. They want a version that they want to hear. Now here's part of it as well, is that the gospel always leads to the conviction of our hearts, not the condemnation of our heart, the conviction of our hearts. And when I become uncomfortable with the conviction of my heart, I will want a different version that makes me comfortable. And that's not how it works. The truth of the gospel that produces a conviction in my heart that I answer to then produces freedom in my life. In absolute love, get a hold of this if you don't get a hold of anything else. In absolute love, Jesus spoke the truth to people every time. There is this notion, and, and usually it's these people on these news programs that go to church once every 17 years, and they get up and tell you what Jesus is like. Well, what Jesus would have done in this situation, you don't have a clue. You wouldn't know the gospel of John from 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. You have no clue, but you're going to tell me? And here's the reality that everywhere he went, in full, complete love and truth, spoke into people's lives. Unfiltered. Non-diluted. Now that, we've got to get to that place as, as the church body where we speak without hesitation, that we speak unfiltered, but that we love people as well. Because if we try to speak truth to people and we have no love in it, forget it. The Bible calls it clanging symbols. But if I genuinely care about someone and I genuinely reach to them in love and speak truth, now that doesn't mean you start going and telling everybody that they're going to hell and this is the reason why. There's many times that you can preach the full gospel to people and never say a word by your love by your actions toward them, by your caring, by your seeing them as important and individuals, people made in the image of God, ones that Jesus came to save and to, to call into his own. When we see people like that, 
then change will come. If I don't finish this, will this be all right with you guys? Is that all right? Just because, I'm gonna do a couple more points. Just because sound teaching is really good doesn't mean it's popular. You know, I thought that one time, one of my favorite preachers, favorite preachers, I'm not gonna say who he is, because y'all go look it up. And I watch his, he has two locations, <clears throat> and I always look at the crowd shot because they'll crowd. I said, man, why isn't that place packed? Because <laughs> I love him. And so I thought, you know, well, I know he's amazing. I know that I know, I, every word he says is, is scripturally sound and all that stuff. And then, and, I heard, and then I saw this. Just because somebody's speaking full on truth doesn't mean it's a popular message. So the opposite has to be true as well. Just because they're crowds of people and they're filling auditoriums, and I don't have anybody in mind when I'm saying that, just because they're crowds of people and filling the auditoriums doesn't mean they're preaching gospel that changed lives. You have to be careful of that. Because people will think, well, there, look, there's all these people here. It must be full on truth. And it's filtered. It's jaded a little bit. It's a little bit of gospel and a little bit of secularism. And that's just, and let me make it plain. <clears throat> people say we have to be secular so we, so we are compassionate toward people. Jesus had zero secular in him and he was compassionate to all and people's lives were revolutionized with one experience with him. Do you see how we've backed off of the power to try to please people. We've taken steps back from truth to try to make ourselves palatable to others. And I'm saying, the, I present to you the opposite. I say that when we are full on love people, but speak truth in love, that's the power that changes lives. And not by me, not by you, by his, by his presence. Let me, let me do this one last point, Allie, if you'll come on down, that God will bless our obedience to his word, not our giving excuses for his word. And let me, let me help you with this really quickly. God will bless our obedience for, to his word, not our giving excuses. You don't owe anybody, you don't owe anybody a full explanation of what you believe. Because here's the thing, if people are, are not open to truth, they will pick it apart. Because they'll pick a social issue and they'll say, well, what does the Bible say about such and such? And they're ready for you. Well, <laughs> what does the Bible say about such and such? And they're ready for you. This is my response. You can go read what the Bible says about such and such. You don't have to hear it from me. And whatever it says is what I believe. They're waiting to, for an argument. They're waiting to combat you. They're waiting to tell you how your belief is, is insensitive and, and non-caring and unwoke. And, and I present to you the opposite, that you tell those people, you go find out what it says. It's clear. It's not hidden. It's not vague. It's not encrypted. And whatever it says is what I believe. Because what it says changed my life. And what it says will change everybody's life who, who envelops that truth. As a church, as a people of God, we have to stop taking the steps back. 
And you know what? Some of it is sincere. And I'll say this because we think if, if I really, if I, if I'm sensitive toward people and kind of get an understanding of where they're at and, and, you know, say, well, it's really not this black and white in the Bible. We think that we're soothing that. Do you, do you remember sweet Jesus, precious Jesus, lamb of God, (laughs) <laughs> would tell people as he picked them up, go, go and sin no more. There's nothing more black and white <laughs> than telling someone, go and sin no more. But what did those words say to them? Those words changed their lives. Now, obviously, they probably were going to sin again, but the truth of repentance the truth of salvation, the truth of mercy and grace, the truth of the love of God that would send his son to die for all of our sins, the truth of that was what changed their lives if they received that truth. So when we say, I'm not ashamed of the power of the gospel, it removes my power. It removes me from having to be the hero in the day. It removes me from people thinking, well, he really is a caring person and understanding of all types. I hope that's said of me, but not everybody's gonna think that of you. But when we stand for the gospel, the gospel will do its work. Isn't that a refreshing thought? I don't have to excuse it, I have to explain it, it'll do it on its own. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you that your word is truth, that your word is life. And I believe your word changes us. It heals us. You said you sent your word and healed them and rescued them from all their diseases. And so I believe that, that that your word works in our lives. And so Lord, I ask you just to put on the inside of us the truth of your gospel and that we would choose every day to live it out to its fullest as it changes people's lives. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.